This is Show Me Today, the voice of Missouri. I'm Bill Pollack. We're going to talk job growth and what is contributing to the regional economy. Anthony Morbeth is with Charles Gascon at the Federal Reserve Bank in St. Louis, who says most of them are due to new businesses. Millions of jobs have been created since the last recession ended. But, uh, Charles, I'm reading that they're not really long-lasting type jobs. Why is that? That's a great question, and thank you for having me. Um, When we think about small businesses, um, oftentimes you think about like a mom-and-pop shop um, that, that for many, many years, and they have a stable group of, of employees. Um, but when we think about new businesses, these are young firms. And what what makes a young firm so dynamic and, and so amazing for the U.S. economy is the idea that they can double, triple, quadruple their employment over a very short period of time by going from one worker to two workers or to four workers and, and following that process. But there's an inherent risk in starting a business, and that's that businesses are going to fail. So you know, many businesses may start up, add a lot of employees in a very quick period of time, not necessarily you know, hundreds, but even a few dozen from zero is, is a big percentage increase. Um, and, and then if they're not successful, they'll fail, and, and then new businesses will get created. And that dynamic process ends up being one of the biggest drivers of job growth in the, in the U.S. economy is just new businesses forming and being created adding a lot of workers and then you know if they can succeed they can dramatically you know change the landscape of our economy is it uh true that the u.s economy from about 2011 to 2014 added close to three million jobs a year yeah that sounds about right so what is this you said so do mostly to new businesses i.e startups and their initial growth but you know over time uh not all of those stick around yeah, so what, if you think about like a large firm, right, say they have a thousand employees, I mean, in a year, maybe they'll increase their employment by, you know, a few dozen employees, but in percentage terms, that's not really a whole lot. So these larger, old, m- mature firms, they make up like the bulk of where jobs are located that people have today. But it's that churn in the market that's happening with newer and younger firms. That's where the j- the job growth in net is generated. And then if those firms can be successful, I mean, they can turn into really mega producers of jobs over over a very short period of time, usually we'll call it five to seven year window. And then they kind of get to a stable place where, where they kind of keep their employment more at a more stable level. So startup companies, i.e. like brand new companies that, uh, as the name would suggest, kind of starts up. Uh, what kind of uh, startup companies are we talking about or does it just sort of vary? So this. I think the stigma that there, I should say stigma, I think the stereotype that people have when they hear startup is they're thinking like a tech company. Um, but the reality is that like tech startups are a really small segment of this. I mean, a lot of startups are restaurants, small businesses, people going out on their own, opening up a professional service firm, like a law firm or an accounting firm. It, in many ways, the startup composition mirrors the broader you know, industry composition of the United States. Where there's exceptions are those industries where there's very high barriers to entry, like manufacturing or utilities production, where it's not really easy to get started in those without a big capital infusion. But broadly speaking, startups mirror the the overall makeup of our industry mix in the country. 
I'm glad you brought that up because it seems like, and I have moved across this U.S. many times, and it seems like no matter where I've lived, it doesn't matter how many different small individual coffee shops there are, there's always a need for those. And you mentioned in regards to the startup rates and barriers to entry and things like that and how that potentially could compare to, say, a high-tech startup company focusing on, I don't know, AI or something like that. Absolutely. I mean, in, in these innovative um, technologies where they're they're really trying to push the frontier, you know, have the ability to drastically, you know, change the economic landscape of a region or our country. Um, but they're they're a much narrower group of firms than really what the the startup and and uh, new firm uh, creation is broadly made of. Um, home health aids is another one where you know that's a it's a growing segment of our economy. A lot of people are, are starting firms or even working for themselves in those spaces. Um, to provide services. So, I mean, we it's in the healthcare space as well, not just in technologies, but in actually providing those kind of services. And if you missed any portion of this radio program or any portion of this interview, subscribe to Show Me today, wherever it is you get your podcast. You also could log on to our website at MissouriNet.com and listen to us by just clicking the player that we have on our main home screen there. Charles Gascon is a senior economist at the Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis on Show Me today. We're talking about the economy, how startup companies contribute to job creation sort of as a whole. And uh, I, I find this data interesting, though, because firms that are less than two years old account for most of the net job creation, but that only accounts for what I'm reading, according to your website, just 2% of the total employment in the U.S. economy. Yeah, absolutely. That's what's so fascinating about this. So these are I mean, if you think about like annual growth for the U.S. employment base is around one or two percent. And this is a small segment of these new firms being created. And they're really the ones that are adding new jobs um, in in any given year. I mean, there's a lot of volatility in the data. But I mean, that's that's the big the big picture is new business creation is in many ways, what provides a lot of great opportunities for people to kind of move forward in their careers, again, with the inherent risk that goes along with it. And if you look at the data that we presented, once you start to get into that three to five year window, that's not always the case. That's where firms start sorting themselves out. They're either successful and they continue to grow. They sustain their employment where they're at because maybe the business was started for lifestyle purposes, um, or unfortunately, they they run out of capital and they 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 miss the runway and, and they fail. But again, that's just 2%. Where's the other 98% come from? Yeah, so most of the other employment in the country is made up by medium and large size firms. Um, and that's where the bulk of people are employed in, in, in the U.S. economy. So I'm curious, we were talking about this data from 2011 to 2014. Do you have any sort of overall generalized uh, data regarding the job outlook post-pandemic? So what we saw in 2020 and into 2021 was new business licenses and, and firms that were being created, the startup rate, so to speak, started to move up quite noticeably. Um, and so that was contributing to job growth as, as people were either going out of their own, starting new businesses. Um, so there was a big positive net job creation from that. It doesn't show up as a share the same way because at the same time as those firms were starting up, 
We also had a lot of large firms that had laid off workers due to the pandemic and then started ramping up. So, you know, the economy was adding like a half a million jobs a month over 2021 and into 2022. So, I mean, the the, the composition effects look about the same, but a lot of it was just this really strong economic recovery where large firms were also adding workers at the same time that new businesses were being created. So, I mean, we just had a very, very healthy labor market with a lot of jobs being created in over the last couple of years. Now, you're with the Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis. Let's talk about St. Louis. Where does this giant metropolitan region factor in with all of this? So broadly speaking, the St. Louis economy from like an industry composition looks very similar to the national industry mix. Um, we are skewed a little bit more towards growth in healthcare and education services. And when you look at kind of where a lot of the, the startup activity has been, that's also been in the education and healthcare space. Um, so that's probably the one unique component of, of the St. Louis economy that I, I really tend to focus on is that, you know, since probably about 2000, a lot of the jobs, close to half to two thirds of the jobs in the St. Louis economy have come from growth in, in the healthcare and education sector. So that's really one of the key cores of, of job growth in the St. Louis region. Which I think is really fascinating and a good sort of uh, note to close on because 50, 60 years ago, a lot of it would have been industry-based, and now we're talking education and healthcare, which for a city like St. Louis is uh, very different compared to 50, 60 years ago. Absolutely, and it, there's you know there's a pro and a con to this. At the same time, you know, in broader in the Midwest region, we've seen a lot of rural hospitals with a lot of challenges, and and so that's unfortunately you know left a lot of people outside of the metropolitan area with with lack of services. Um, on the flip side, it has been a benefit for some of the regional healthcare providers in this area where where they've had that kind of the advantage in, in hiring in a, in a broader, bigger metropolitan area. So, I mean, there's, there's pros and cons to kind of how it's all played out in, in this region. This is Show Me Today, the voice of Missouri.